The following is a fourth-hand production. I got out of the bus. I was told to walk directly through the hangar, and uh, immediately, uh, even before entering the hangar, you can see the edge of a disc. Uh, this is your classic flying saucer, two inverted pie plates, if you wish, uh, with a segmented larger area dome on top. Within minutes of that, I finally realized that this had nothing to do with something the government was producing. In 1989, a man named Robert Scott Lazar was interviewed by a Las Vegas television station and claimed that he had worked for the U.S. government back engineering alien technology. That single act unleashed a firestorm that is still smoldering to this day. Bob Lazar, UFOs, and the existence of aliens next on Hysteria 51. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through skeptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. You need to stop that right now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation. You might be able to tell we are talking Bob Lazar tonight on Hysteria 51. And for this particular topic, and for you crazy tinfoil hat types, Brent, I'm looking at you, uh, we're doing a two-parter. Part one, we're going to talk through the basic story, and then part two, we'll pull it apart and... And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Yeah, this is the granddaddy of them all. Kind of the, uh, yeah, the go-to story for ufologists. Exactly. Like, um, it's where Area 51 came from, meaning no one else knew about it. Right? Yeah. Like it, it brought, it blasted Area 51 into the, um, the mainstream conscience, I think. And, uh, before that, uh, the only people that were talking about it were people probably outside of Las Vegas and people looked at them like they were just retarded. <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, with me, as you just heard, is my perennial co-captain, Brent Brown Sugar Hand. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Our special guest tonight is Matt Holowicki. Matt, say hi. How's it going, everyone? It's just Matt from the West Burbs. All right, Matt from the West Burbs. I, I understand that Brent asked you on tonight due in part to your age. How old are you for everyone? I'm 23, born in 93. And why exactly, Brent? We got an actual live millennial. I caught it in the wild. I brought it in for us. We harnessed it to the show. You already had a live millennial. Brent, I'm a millennial. I was born in 1980. That doesn't count as a millennial. I looked it up. We looked it up this week. You're, you're Gen X. What what did you look up? I Dude, I used- If you go to the wiki, even the Wikipedia I pages- I used Google. I used Google, tell- too, and it said uh, born in 79 or 80 was the last years for Gen X. Well, I appreciate your opinion. You're wrong. I'm a millennial. Why would you want to be a millennial? That's like saying, no, no, no. I still shit my pants. Me. <laughs> me. Because <laughs> it means these gray hairs aren't going to keep yeah, coming. That's right. Uh, well, in all seriousness, we you were born in 79. Mm-hmm. I was born in 80. We, depending on what you read, are sort of millennials and sort of not. We're this weird cusp. I read a really good article, I don't know, a couple of years ago on it. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was t- t- basically we're the, uh, the Oregon. Oregon 
Indian Trail generation. generation. Yep. <laughs> that's right. You died of dysentery. Because <laughs> we don't fit in anything. Right. And that's right. not just because I'm fat. We literally just don't fit into things. We, we grew up we grew up with the internet, but it was dial up. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. I remember that. <laughs> but we also your, your grandparents talked about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> At the kitchen table. Yeah. yeah. Uh but we also grew up playing outside every now and then. Yeah. Basically, if you bought an NES when it first came out, you're part of our crew. There you go. So, Matt, welcome in. We want to introduce you to and, and the world, uh, our fourth member of the tribe. As always, we'd love to say hello to Conspiracy Bot. Hola. What is up, gentlemen? Matt the Millennial, welcome. Let me know if you need me to call your mom to pick you up after the show. I have her on speed dial. You're a son of a bitch. <laughs> that he is. He learns fast. Well, uh, he he's kind of like a mean dog. He's not sure about new people. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, and he's not exactly housebroken. He lives stained sometimes. Also true. He leaks <laughs> a lot. That's why we're wearing galoshes. Speaking of leaking, what are we drinking? Branching out tonight, leaving my comfort zone, drinking Bud Light. Uh, you got me all excited. I thought it- <laughs> I brought out my best. Okay, every every week with that, I like it. I don't mean the beer. I understand the that song. It, the song. Yeah, I even switched it up this week. I brought out my best, and you know, a lot of people want to hear me sing. I think that's a lot of a lot of the feedback we're going to get on this podcast is Brent should sing more. I think that's just you, man. <laughs> If you're one of the folks that's already uh, subscribed to the show, has found us on Twitter, please tweet at us and tell Brent to quit fucking singing. Or make requests. Those work, too. We'll work them in. I have a request. <laughs> Stop fucking singing. <laughs> He's a good moaner. So that is that why you wanted Matt the Millennial? You shut your mouth, both of you. <laughs> that's what we're going to call you from here on out. Uh, Matt the Millennial. Matt the Millennial. So, Matt the Millennial, what are you drinking over there? I am drinking Evan Williams Sour Mash. Evan Williams. Sorry, extra sour mash. Evan Williams. You know, I always thought Evan Williams was like the um, the dirt whiskey. Or a bad porn star. Like, But they got like TV commercials for it now and shit. It's like the Keystone Light of the, of Wait, is the that whiskey the, realm. Is that the delineation mm-hmm. between shit and non-shit? Uh, it doesn't come in sheer plastic bottles and they have commercials. <laughs> so they're stepping up their game. <laughs> all right, I got fair this enough. from your cabinet. So <laughs> to, to talk all the shit you want. You that, have it. That is a very valid point. <laughs> I'm drinking Bud Light. What the fuck are you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so I'm, I'm drinking one of the uh, curious traveler beers. Uh, they've got, you know, the lemon shandy, the grapefruit shandy. I'm a big fan of the grapefruit shandy, but I just found a new one. Um, and it's pretty good. Uh, it, it's for the holidays. It's called the Jolly Traveler. And uh, it's it's holiday spice and orange and pomegranate. I know that's that, fucking nasty. I, I know, I know, I know. But they do actually do a really good job with their flavors. Um, and I, I'd highly recommend it. I always knew you were curious. So, I mean, it's just a fitting, fitting choice for you. Mm. I'm curious about drinking. Mm-hmm. And who knew you could buy Curious at the store like that? Oh, I, there. I, I, I see I, what I did there. I tried to move past it, and he just won't let it go. He's like a, <laughs> a dog with a Kong toy. <laughs> well, he smoked you. He did something. He did, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, what up, Seabot? What you got? I am sipping on some antifreeze and fireball. On the rocks, of course. You know what? It might make you go blind, but I've had worse. <laughs> oh, now- How long am I going to be blind? <laughs> I'd say about four. 
Ever? <laughs> now, didn't didn't Fireball actually get banned for being antifreeze in some countries? I believe in Europe, yes. Yeah, yes. okay. So, in reality, he's just drinking antifreeze. So, they're putting antifreeze... Cinnamon. They're putting antifreeze in the fireball in Europe, and they're putting cocaine in the Coors Light in America. Like, who's who's got all the extra antifreeze and cocaine? Like, what am I going to do with all this coke and antifreeze? You know what? I'm going to share it. That's how I always assured my dad, uh, if you ever caught me smoking weed, like, well, you know, John, they, they could lace that with something. Dad, who's giving away free drugs? I mean, they're going to put extra in there. <laughs> I've licked and every the- sticker stamp in the world. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Not Thanks one a lot, of LSD. Dare. Like, what the hell? You're Nobody's f- giving away free stuff. You're full of shit, Officer Bob. <laughs> if anything, if anything, they're cutting it and making it worse. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> that was never really came up in, in the dare classes. Like, um, what if your drugs are too stepped on? Like, uh, like, like, <laughs> uh that's Brent, a vital question. Can, can I mean, we, can we talk after class, Brent? <laughs> have you noticed that Brent and I are <laughs> sitting here kind of joking about it? And Matt's like, yeah, that's, that's no, not that, a problem. Yeah, like, like <laughs> they should I know a guy who will hook you up. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wrong. So Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar? Bob Lazar. The the granddaddy of Conspiracy UFO. Bot? Conspiracy Bot, can we have a little bit more? How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. Want to know the rest? <laughs> By the rights. <laughs> <laughs> it's called fair use. We're going to be fine. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, John. <laughs> We're going to delve into Bob. So, John, why don't you hit us with, I guess, your layman understanding of of Robert Lazar. My layman understanding, just because I don't <laughs> read this shit morning, noon, and night. All right, fine. You don't get Bob Lazar quarterly? Yeah, I'm not subscribed <laughs> to the newsletter, <laughs> which is still printed on a penny press. You know, it turns out, um, if you stand outside of his house, he will call the cops. <laughs> I don't know if you know that or not. From my understanding, Bob Lazar, and this is going with the traditional understood story of, of what he says, what he purports. Physicist, worked at Los Alamos, eventually was hired to do a little bit more than that and started working at Area 51, but specifically an area just south of Area 51 that was super secret called S4. You know, when you're at the super secret base – and uh, they're like, no, we got to take you to the super, super secret base. <laughs> and you get your own, your all new secret handshake. Like shit's getting it's, real. It's getting, it's getting real. You get real. your own mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Right under. So old Bobby, uh, old Bobby says he goes to work there and gets shown a few things. These are things that he decides that the world needs to know about. So in 1989, Bob Lazar does a series of interviews with KLAS in Las Vegas. That's bringing the class, baby. Yeah. And basically he gets on, on uh, tape and says, guess what, everybody? Aliens are real. I worked at Area 51. Before that, most of the known world didn't know what Area 51 was. Area 51 is real. Uh, I worked at an even more secret place called S4. And I was there to reverse engineer UFOs. We were, we have nine of them. I was working on one. And I'm going, I'm going to, I was, we were going, we're using this technology to further our own technology. Here's my story. Blah. Pretty, yeah, no, absolutely. Like it was kind of a shocker because this guy comes out, he makes these claims and it immediately went, can't say viral, but viral. viral. Like, yeah, like back then it wasn't, you know, that wasn't something, but nationwide they latched onto this story and it skyrocketed. And I mean, I think part of it is if you've, in doing my research for this show, I watched more than one documentary and I heard from more than 
one quote unquote expert or another person who worked somewhere supposedly. And a lot of them sound like crazy UFO guy. Bob Lazar sounds like your high school physics teacher. Like he just very dry, very to the point. And I, I kind of think that's why it spread so quickly. People are like, well, this guy sounds believable. Like if you actually sat down and said, draw me a picture of a physicist and write a script of how they would sound. It's him to a T like it really, really is. Well, I think like one thing that really makes him sound believable is like some of his approaches with like what they were doing with the 51 is where there's like the rocket car, you know, things like that. Like his, he had a, he had a background in, in everything. Well, let's get like, why don't we get into his actual, let's let's dive into old Robert Lazar. Bobby was born on a, We're keeping that. <laughs> Old Robert Lazar was born on a brisk January morn on the 26th of January, 1959. <laughs> so uh, he's born in 59. He claims, and I say he claims, I'm giving air quotes here, and we won't really dive into this in this episode, but we will in part two. Uh, he claims that he holds degrees from Caltech. And from MIT, both very prestigious schools. He went to school for both physics and electronics. Wait, 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 Brent, you're forgetting one. What's that? Doesn't he also say that he has a uh, a degree from Pierce Junior College? That's true, where he took electronics classes. What uh-huh. did those loans cost? <laughs> <laughs> so he's got this background, and what's known for sure, he did own a business where he was he took photographs for places that were like real estate, things like that. He would take photos process photos. He had told people, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to get back out of the, the work I'm doing now. And I want to get back into the, the, the world of physics. And correct me if I'm wrong in his spare time, he was working on, um, as Matt, the millennial was alluding to earlier, uh, rocket cars, like for fun. Yeah. And actually that's something that, you know, is actually true. So, um, in 1980, I don't, I don't think that's what a rocket sounds like. But a rocket car. It actually sounds more like speed buggy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a rocket. Oh, man. (laughs) Rocket man. (laughs) We were a couple episodes away from it. I thought we were done. Vroom, vroom. Bob Lazar, get in me. Oh. (laughs) He knows Bob Lazar by injection. (laughs) So... Back in 82, uh, the Los Almos Monitor, that's a fun name for a paper, uh, they did an article titled, LA Man Joins the Jet Set at 200 Miles an Hour, and he had a Honda CRX with a fucking rocket engine strapped to it. <laughs> like, if I am going to build a rocket car, and they go, what do you want to use? I really got my eye on a Honda CRX. That sounds like uh, the type of car that you'd see, whatever, your hometown USA on the Strip. Every 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 hometown had one. <laughs> yeah. Let's go cruising the Strip. Oh, look, there's a CRX. Is that a rocket on the back of it? <laughs> so they, you know, in the monitor, they do this article on him, and they actually, they talk to him. They state that he's a physicist at the Los Almos Mason Physics facility. So that's one of the only times in paper true they say, hey, Bob's a physicist. He worked at Los Alamos. Before this show, before I did the research for this show, I'd always heard of Los Alamos. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. Turns out it's really just a big physics lab. Yeah. Where they do physics. Is that like Fermi lab kind of? 
That's a particle accelerator. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, no, there's a, but there is a particle accelerator under Los Alamos. Is there? Yeah. Well, um, then yes. Lazar, oh. Lazar was oh. talking, it's like a half mile long. Mm-hmm. So it's not uh, very big then. Of course, then again, Lazar said it, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, was that foreshadowing? That's what we're trying Sorry. to get behind. I mean. At the time that his, his rocket car story came out, uh, there was a, uh, Dr. Edward Teller. Uh, he's famous if you, if you know him as the father of the hydrogen bomb and, uh, or would you say he's, Infamous. Infamous. And he was a liaison to, or a, a scientific consultant to, you know, a slew of presidents. He's given a lecture. Bob goes to lecture. Bob sees him reading the article about said rocket car. And he's like, Hey, holy shit. That's about me. Strike up a conversation. Fast forward a few years. Old Bobby's looking for a new job and he reaches out to Dr. Edward Teller. And he's like, Hey, you know, I'm just taking a stab here. You know, well, he, he, he didn't, he actually sent him a letter. Yeah, well, yeah, like, reached out. Well, yeah. But but back in the day, I mean, let those be. There, he wasn't calling him on the phone. He wasn't emailing him. He literally sent a letter and said, "Hey, hope you remind me, or hope you remember. I hope this Falcon hope, finds hope you, you well. Hope you, <laughs> hope you remember me. Hope you remember me. I built that rocket car you thought was so cool. I want a job. Yep, and he got one. Teller tells him, "I can't get you a job. I got some friends at EG and G. I can get you an interview." What's EG and G? EG and G is a uh, a national defense contractor. What a term! That just means they probably got their hands in a little bit of everything. They've got the they're keys. like 007. They have a license to kill. Yeah, they got the keys to all the cool shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are out of at this time McCarran Airport there in uh, Las Vegas. Lazar goes. He gets a job, and they offer him a job, and they said, you're going to be working at one of our outer areas. One of our satellite locations. Yeah, like, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump. Under a mountain. Yeah, so they're like, well, they don't even tell him this one's funny. They're like, hey, show up to work uh, for your first day, and just here at the airport, and we're going to fly you out there. So he shows up. Can you imagine Can you imagine that phone call? Hey, congratulations. Welcome. Welcome to EG&G. We're really glad to have you. So your first day of work, a few things. We're going to need you to bring a few forms of ID. Uh, make sure and wear khakis, maybe, uh, maybe a polo shirt. Hey, we're not too, we're not too fancy around here. Uh, and, uh, you're going to show up at McCarran Airport and you have no fucking idea where you're going. Try to bring a blindfold that you find comfy. And, uh, if you're allergic to any cyanide pills or gases, let us know before you show up. <laughs> so uh, fill out a will in triplicate. And this is, yeah. the, this part is, absolute truth here. And I think this is crazy. When you are a contractor and you are working at area 51, you go to McCarran, there is a terminal off the airport that is separate and you, they board white planes, red stripes down the side of them, zero markings, zero call signs, nothing. He shows up, he gets on one of those planes and they fly him to area 51. Well, why wouldn't they just put him on like Nellis air force base? It, because, it, it's actually a really good question because the first thing I saw when I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos about all this is video of these planes. Mm-hmm. No point in really keeping them unmarked and unnoticed if everyone knows what they are. <laughs> I mean, why not just, hey, th- throw Area 51 on the side of the plane and let it go? <laughs> right. Just put a big alien sticker on it with a <laughs> thumbs up. Hey. Use the Hysteria 51 logo. We don't mind. Yeah, we'll allow it. We'll license Royalty it out. Fees. I mean, it's it's cheap. Copyright. <laughs> so he flies out to Area 51. And you know this guy's like, holy shit, here's that base that doesn't exist. And they're like, nay, my friend, nay. 
We're, oh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. So this is December in, in 88 when, when they fly him out there. Uh, December in Vegas when it cools down to the sub 100s. So it's a nice time of year. It was, a, it was, a, it was a great year. I mean, I, I remember, I remember it vividly. I was eight. <laughs> His first day when he, when he shows up at the airport, he meets this guy, Dennis Mariani. And that guy's going to play in a lot. Dennis is his handler, would you say? Like, he's his boss, but like... The way in which he's been described by almost everyone, and by everyone, I mean Bob Lazar and the people who support Bob Lazar's story, is a military guy, quote unquote. So what I always envision is Arlie Ermey from uh, Full Metal Jacket. There you go. (laughs) He's just like, Lazar! Like you know that motherfucker. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Lazar got soaped? Like he's it, like he just walks off the plane. I didn't know they stuck shit that high, Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm a scientist. You're a piece of shit, maggot. <laughs> You're a scientific piece of shit. <laughs> So old Dennis Mariani meets him at EG&G and McCarran, and they fly out to Area 51, This this which I'm sure they didn't say Area 51. I mean, fuck, maybe they did. I don't know. I don't know if they knew about it back then well, or if it was that well, big of a that, term. Yeah, like or if that's just – like I think they always said it was called like Dreamland. I think that's, that is that is the military specification because then they – It is the 50 – it is Area 51. Right. Yeah. So that is just a, an actual denunciation of, of the area. There's an area seven, an area 19. Like they're all of them are areas. It's not his own, own place. And it is its own place, but I'm more like, saying we, along the lines is like really well known in. Yeah. Indiana. I don't know that that was, yeah, yeah. that term was so, in the vernacular we, and they land there and then they say he's immediately subjected to uh, stringent security briefings. And then quote said, Bob had to sign a security agreement and an agreement to waive his constitutional rights as soon as he got to Area 51. Oh, they had those? <laughs> what? What? Constitutional that? rights, which is illegal, but was made possible by an executive order with Ronald Reagan's signature on it. It all, he also had to sign well, an agreement. I, I think I'll go ahead and sign that. It's, <laughs> it's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Okay. Well, fuck it. Why not? He had to sign an agreement, which allowed them to monitor his phone his house, all that bullshit. Bob already had Q clearance, uh, which is uh, top secret civilian clearance at Los Alamos, but he would never gone through anything like this. And he actually refers to it as a 10-10 agreement. Like, if you fuck them over in any way, they'll guarantee you, like... Ten thousand dollar fine, ten years in jail, but they're probably just going to kill you. They they bump him supposedly from Q clearance to majestic clearance, which may or may not exist. Like that's the thing. He's supposedly majestic clearance is like twenty one or twenty eight levels above the security level of the fucking president of the United States. So this guy that was throwing random pieces of rocket on the back of Nissan's. That's a Honda's house. Oh, I'm sorry. Get it right. Honda's yeah, uh, just a few months ago has now has more clearance than the president. True. True. Just being sure I understand. Okay. That, that is a fact. But Proceed. he's given up every single right that he has as an American citizen. I mean, does he have rights or are they just illusions, Matt? Ain't that the question. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to have a man bun and question that shit while drinking a fucking craft beer anyway? <laughs> Goddamn hipsters. <laughs> no, a PBR. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Craft beers are passe, but we digest. So supposedly he's granted his majestic uh, level through the U.S. Department of Naval Intelligence. Then they're like, all right, 
we're leaving fucking Area 51. And they put them, they're at Area 51, a fucking secret base. They put them on a bus with blacked out windows, like a fucking Scooby-Doo mystery. <laughs> and they fucking drive him, he says, like 10 or 15 miles to Papoose Lake, which is another so, and, driver. And he said like it's like bed. a school bus, like old, old, uh, mm-hmm. what are they, Bluebird bus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there imagine him and a bunch of other assholes like, you know, in those buses uh that we we were in as kids. Like, it's like the fucking first scene in License to Drive where it's all dirty and they're just chained in there and shit <laughs> to the fucking Do you think bus. they put their knees up on the back and you know, <laughs> find that bar in the green seat in front of you? No standees permitted. I guess they weren't playing freeze out. They were in the Nevada desert. Yeah, they're playing don't die. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they take him to this place called S4, which I would like to point out the S stands for sec- sector. I, sector. I, I just thought it was interesting in the sense that S4 sounds so ominous. Oh, wait, it just meant sector four. Oh, okay. So he said they're driving out there and when he gets there, it doesn't really look like anything because it's built into the side of the mountain. Actually, I think like Matt had started to say earlier, like Castle Grayskull. <laughs> I mean, if or Castle Black, if you like Game of Thrones. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, both built into this. More like my generation, you know. <laughs> Jesus. So he said, "There's dynamic nine- drop in from the millennial. <laughs> <laughs> there's nine hangers. Winter is coming, or I am. I drink and I know things. <laughs> but conspiracy bot, can we have some Jon Snow? Here is my favorite Jon Snow quote. Go forth. My father told me big men fall just as quick as little ones." If you put a sword through their hearts. No. (laughs) Just a wee bit of white. Um, He says there's nine hangars and they're built in like at an angle into the side of the mountain. You get three or 400 feet away. You can't tell that they're textured with like a (laughs) sand texture. They look just like, just like the rock. In one of the many interviews I witnessed of his, he literally said at about a 30 degree angle, I think, or whatever degree, like this guy is. He he should be wearing According a pocket. According to my protractor, yeah, he should the, be wearing yeah. a pocket protector. I mean, who do, who describes things like that? <laughs> so he says at all times. Now at all times when this has been going on, he is under constant armed guard. Not like guarding him, guarding the base, like making sure he doesn't do anything that they don't want him doing. Doesn't like he even said like when they would walk. Lazar, I got eyes on you. Yeah, like they, he said like when they walked through corridors he had to keep his head down or look straight ahead he wasn't even allowed to like turn and look at things while they were walking wait are we talking about his dungeon fantasy yeah, yeah. Or are we talking about s4 my safe word is harder <laughs> 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 they take him inside and they put him in a room and he said there's a bunch of blue envelopes in there in not envelopes but like you know folders and they say review these files we're gonna be back after a while He's like, great. So he starts cracking open these files. Day one, I'm a good little worker. It's like when you're your first day at Arby's and you're watching the you're watching the training video, you know. And so he sits down and he opens my, up number one. My first day at Burger King in 1996 in Springfield, Illinois, I went through this very thing. Uh, they had they had the uh, the training room, which was also the break room, which was also the grizzled Burger King veteran smoke room because you could still smoke inside back then. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there watching these videos of these assholes going, if someone touches you in the wrong place, you should tell your supervisor. (laughs) And meanwhile, you got, you got Daryl and Leroy sitting behind me going, fuck that guy. Don't watch this stupid bullshit. (laughs) What you got for 99 cent? <laughs> then you know they reach in, they reach in their pants, you know, jostle their balls a little bit, and go back to making whoppers. 
Mm, that's high quality. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> he's put in a room. He's got all these envelopes and he starts cracking through them. And the first one's like, oh, here's a fucking spaceship we have. And here's other vehicles. Was, it, was it literally a folder that said, on, you know, on the front of it, here's a fucking spaceship we have. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Scientific exactly. terms only here, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> so he, he actually said he's like, he thought this is like some like psychological test. He's like, they're just waiting for me to be like, what the fuck? He goes, so I used my a lot of time. I read through as much as I could. I digested what I could. I didn't, you know, I didn't think too much of it. Like, they're fucking with me. So then old Dennis comes back and Lazar! <laughs> and uh he's like uh he's like come with me and they take him into one of the nine hangers and right then and there he says he sees your classic straight out of fucking 1950s cinema horror movie or whatever a flying disc and immediately in his head a spaceship immediately in his head he thinks Fucking awesome. The U.S. has experimental aircraft that are discs. All those shit that we've been seeing is us. Like, here it is. And he said he walks up and he tries to touch it just out of, you know, fucking habit. And he said there was a little, there was a sticker on it of a U.S. flag. And he went to touch it. And I guess Dennis was like, no, and like freaked out. Like, don't ever touch anything, do anything. And he said he got scolded. Oh, I thought you were talking about the reactor that was the size of a, uh, basketball oh nope no. not there yet so isn't that also when he met his uh his his new co-worker barry oh yeah yeah and- <laughs> hola david me i'm a brent bonjour uh, brent je m'appelle david you didn't do spanish i thought if we were going to do this together we'd do the same language oh sorry <laughs> that's uh that's on brand for us I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it, so... It's very high on pronunciation, too, so <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do, and then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years, and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. 
get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Private Gomez! <laughs> <laughs> you know you know, Barry looked like Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> I just had this whole thing playing out in my head. What? What's up, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> he tries to touch it. They freak out on him. And then they describe his job duties. Uh, what he's going to be doing. They tell him, this is a fucking spaceship. This is from the Zeta Reticuli binary star system. The quote-unquote classic gray aliens, as, as people like to call them, are the ones that have, have manufactured this. We are trying to recreate and understand, back engineer, reverse engineer, the propulsion system using shit that we have on Earth. Lazar! <laughs> it's my firm conviction that when Uncle Sam calls, by God, we go. <laughs> I mean, look at today's jets, though. With that projection technology, it probably is already in those things that our American soldiers are in. Oh, the shit that, that they show us, like, the shit that the, the average American... They show American, it, but they don't explain it. Yeah, you like, know? Well, I mean, God knows what's in that fucking F-50 jet, you know? It's well, going the ones, all over. Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, the ones you fucking see are probably... Way, way, way behind. From the 80s. <laughs> well, or, or a lot older than that, even. Yeah, so I guess Lazar was saying that what he saw wasn't ju- wasn't a jet, but what he saw was an actual... Uh, disc. Uh, well, inside that disc was uh, the propulsion system 
was an uh, an anti was was powered by an anti gravity generator and ran on uh gr- or anti matter generator and ran on gravitational force. The gravitational force was supplied by bombarding an element at that time was not discovered yet. Element one fifteen, and he said that they bombarded it with protons and it created gravitational waves. The gravitational waves were then harnessed and could be used. So the propulsion, he said, this thing didn't have thrust. It didn't use thrust. What it did was there was three gravity boosters, if you want to call them. The one in the middle, if you're on a planetary body that has its own gravitational field, it used one. It would lift up. And what you didn't need to, you didn't need to create extra gravitational fields or extra gravitational, uh, um, um, not thrust, but you didn't need extra gravity to help you because you could use the gravity of the once you're up. So what they would do was it, he said like when they were in the, um, the atmosphere, he said when they were going slow is actually really shitty because it like slid around almost on it, on gravity. It would use it to maneuver. And that's why he says when you see them a lot of times, people are talking about these. Just they see they're moving around like a like, pie plate on a greased up waterbed, or like a fly on a windshield, a window. Like they hop around all over the place. I love how you just gave me that one. I, I mean, <laughs> I just I didn't even want to touch it. Okay, wasn't comfortable you. with it. Breeze. Just breezed right by. How would you even know? No, nope, just moving on. <laughs> when it gets really cool is when you leave a planetary body or something that's got a, a dense uh, atmosphere. And you're in the space, and he said it was. If they don't fly like a disc; they turn. They take the two outer gravity amplifiers, and they make, I guess, a singularity. It makes uh, it bends space because if you can control gravity, you're talking force fields, time travel. Especially if there's not that much mass in the object around. Well, or anything. It doesn't. I mean, it's it doesn't matter because you're moving instantaneously. If um, you know, if that's really true. So if they got to go to Zeta Reticuli, maybe it takes like three jumps and they just jump, boom, boom, boom. And in 15 minutes, they're there. And supposedly it doesn't negate the, you know, the laws of physics because it's well, is, it's uh, bending space time with gravity. Bending space time with gravity, meaning um, think about if, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, if you haven't watched Star Trek and Star Wars growing up like like we have mm-hmm. um think about uh, a sheet of paper, think of like a, a sheet of paper out of your printer and then take a, uh, like the hose off of your vacuum cleaner, hold it up to one side of the sheet of paper and it can kind of pull that side and the other side and kind of fold the sheet of paper together. And then that, that kind of fold all of a sudden there's a lot less distance between the left side of the sheet and the right side of the sheet. So you could go through that fold and get there a lot more quickly. That's the, that's the, the vacuum cleaner printer paper version of, <laughs> of bending space time. That, that is a John's Hollywood doctorate speaking right there. Very <laughs> impressive. I know <laughs> he sent away for that. It was like thirty nine ninety nine to get that doctorate. Mr. Conklin at Pleasant Plains high school would be so proud of me right now. <laughs> Were movie tickets that cheap? Thirty nine ninety nine to see all seven Star Wars, six Star Wars. I'm sorry, no, three Star Wars. Forgive me. <laughs> so oh, there's four. Uh, there, there are. There four was three in- back in the eighties. There was no. four. Oh, I'm 97. saying no, 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 no. I'm saying there's four now. There's seven. We don't. 
we don't we don't we, count the prequels. The prequels, we those are mine. We don't talk okay. about those. Yeah, no, you We don't talk about those. <laughs> you are the fucking generation that brought Jar Jar Binks <laughs> into being like But we had Darth Maul who never said a damn word except yes, my master. Well, he knew his fucking role. Like, you know what? <laughs> Middle management would do well if they knew their fucking role. Misa okay. gonna commit suicide? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, Jar Jar, go ahead and do that. <laughs> Spare us. <laughs> Oh, Bobby sees this shit and he says, until that moment, he never gave much thought into UFOs, flying saucers, and all of a sudden, holy shit, he's being force-fed this. And he said they had nine separate craft, all housed at S4, uh, that he was made aware of. And he only had access to this one, the the sport model, he called it. Uh, he said of the nine crafts, they were... Yeah, they, uh, so I, I want to understand this. He, he he calls it, he keeps calling it the sport model. Was there like the sedan where like there was, a, it, there was another one so like, I took that it had as, four doors on it? Well, I took it as like the others were either um larger or, yeah, maybe like one was like a warship. And this yeah, one was I want to like see the hatchback. Uh, oh, right? look, it's the family friendly version. Yeah. Which one's the closest to a Honda CRX? <laughs> just that's the one I want to work on. <laughs> How, okay, listen. I like the saucer. I'm interested in the saucer. What kind of light years per gallon does this thing get? <laughs> yeah. Hey, mm. do I got to add lead to this? I ain't got to add lead to this, do Tin I? foil, man. Tin foil. <laughs> he says there's, like I said, there's nine craft. They're in different states of some are in pieces. Some have been taken apart. Some are fully functioning. And he says that the, the sport it's, model. It's basically like the military version of the front yard of any trailer park you've been in recently. Oh, look, that Thunderbird's missing wheels. Yep. Same thing. So, <laughs> so he's there to back engineer, uh, the power source, uh, using the element 115, which he stated they had 500 pounds of. And, uh, Matt, you kind of r- talked about this earlier. Sounds legit. The, the power source was like the size of a basketball. And he said when they turned it on, it created like a force field of uh, a gravity field around it. And he said they would take like a, a golf ball or a ping pong ball. And if you threw it at it, it would ping off it. It would never actually touch it because of it was putting out its own gravity. So he, the reason that, that, that same field, he said he put his hand up against it and it felt like uh, if you ever took um, two opposite ends of a magnet and tried to touch them together yeah. or not the same magnet, but you know, mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite charge like you can push against it but it, but it was it just got it that, was there that that push back yeah and, yeah and he said that the reason he was brought in rather i guess abruptly like he was is they were working on this previously on one of the power sources for it and they opened up one or damaged it and there was an explosion and it killed a couple of the other scientists and so Hey, there's an opening. <laughs> like, I know a guy. Yeah, yeah. Check out this Honda. <laughs> well, they do have the wheels and triplicate, right? So yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's right. No big deal. No harm, no foul. So, uh, you know, you're sitting at home. You're, you're figuring out what next Honda vehicle you might throw a, a jet on the back of. And <laughs> all, all of a sudden, uh, uh, hello? Hey, Bob, remember us? Uh, yeah, we have a sudden opening. We'd like you to join us very quickly. Yeah. You're not flammable, are you? <laughs> like asking for a friend. <laughs> You're not allergic to anything from outer space, are you? No so, reason. No reason we're asking. So then Dennis decides on another visit when they're there, he's going to let Bob see a test flight of the sport model. And he said they went outside and it was already sitting on its belly on the ground. And it, quote unquote, started up. And he actually referenced this. 
previous to this, he was actually allowed to look inside it once and see what like the configuration of everything was. And he said everything looked like it was injection molded. Like there was no seams. Everything was one piece. Do you think when Dennis called him that morning, he said, today is Christmas, Lazar. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it went. <laughs> you get to see a flying saucer. <laughs> but before that, you can sing Jesus Happy Birthday because Jesus came before NASA. <laughs> <laughs> sing it. Sing it now, Lazar. Sing it now. <laughs> So Lazar, like I said previously, he'd, he'd been allowed to look through there. He said everything was injection molded. It had three seats. He said that the seats were very small. They would be f- the size of someone that was between a third and a half the size of a normal human being. So, so it can kick an alien's ass, right? In, unless mean. they've got those weird fucking mental powers. Yes, the psychokinesis. Yeah, that, yes. that, that, that's the kinesis I was talking about. I just about. want to make for the record that's very hard to pronounce <laughs> with Evan Williams in your body. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know he was inside you. So mm. <laughs> these seats were essentially the size of a Southwest Airlines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Slightly larger with more at leg room. Shots fired. So he's outside. He gets to see a test flight. And he said it's laying on its belly. And when it first started up, he said there was some sound like an electrical sound. As it lifted, there was lights like a coronal discharge or St. Elmo's fire coming from it. So, yeah, I didn't know what the fuck they're talking about. St. Elmo's fire. That. That's a bad movie from the 80s, right, Conspiracy Bot? How's that fireball? (laughs) So St. Elmo's Fire is when you've got something that is, you know, a shaped... It's a weather phenomenon, I guess, and you have something that lets out a um, electrical discharge and like it ignites plasma. Got Lights, it. fireball, Lights. <laughs> fireball. As it lifts up, there's a bad '80s movie playing on the bottom of it, as we've already already established. Understood. And he said it lifts up, it moves to the left, moves to the right, sits back down. Yada yada yada. Hey, Macarena. And that was the the only flight that he was he was ever privy to. He said he was, of course. Dennis standing next to him the whole time, arm guards on him. Here we go. So he starts working there sporadically. It's not like a Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's a go home, wait for the call. I might call you at 8 a.m. I might call you at 8 p.m. He said one time he thinks, uh, he said the latest he thought he was ever called was like 1130. All this is hush, hush. Don't tell your wife. You're getting calls 1130. Honey, I got to go to work. On what? I can't tell you. I've heard him uh, talk a few times about being called at, at various times. And all right, uh, it is 930. We need you at McCarran at 10. I just want to know, is he having the same shitting his pants feeling to make the flight that I have whenever I'm in Vegas and oversleep? You think fucking Dennis is on the other end? Like, click. <laughs> I told him he had to be here in 30 minutes. <laughs> He'll <laughs> never fucking make it. <laughs> <laughs> now is our click. <laughs> oh, that fucking dumbass. <laughs> you short dick motherfucker, get here now. <laughs> so he, this I found fucking crazy interesting. So he says that as he's going out there, he starts only, he only really remembers the first few times he's there. And later he remembers going there he remembers leaving, but can't remember what was going on when he was there. And he thinks that they are wiping his mind. 
literally as you do. I've always Wait, Lazar said that. Oh yeah, every weekend I w- wipe my mind. Okay, so I heard I heard Lazar I heard Lazar on some Art Bell interview saying that uh, he when he started he got tested for a bunch of different allergies. Like we've all had an allergy. Well, not all, but a lot of us have had an allergy test. They they basically put a grid on your back or your arm. And are you allergic to dogs, cats, reptilians? <laughs> Nordics. You mean you wait, you Nazis. Mean, you mean reptiles, right? No, man, watch it. And and then they gave him an injection of something. Yeah. And uh and and so then in the particular interview I was listening to, Lazar said he wasn't sure about it, but that uh some people purported that perhaps he was filled with a mind erasing substance. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Yes, I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't come out correctly, but yeah. Like, but he wasn't sure about that. Yeah, he says he just couldn't remember. What about coming out? <laughs> well, Bobby's ready. He's ready. He's feeling it. So this keeps going on for a few months, and he feels that he can no longer keep it a secret. He's got to tell someone. So he calls up, or he gets his wife. He calls up a couple bodies, including John Lear, son of uh, William Lear of Lear Jet fame. Better known as King Lear, right? Yes, yes. Um he was crowned. Shakespeare wrote about mm-hmm. him. I remember that. It was a reach. I'll, I'll admit it. I'll, I'll <laughs> call myself out when necessary. He's like, hey, we're going to go out here to the side of Area 51 on a Wednesday night. Because he said on Wednesday nights, they did their test flights. Because it's the middle of the week. There's not a lot of looky-loos. And that's the only Nothing time. to see here, you looky-loos. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you doing in Vegas on a Wednesday? What's wrong with you? Well, well and if you are, you're in a... Casino with no windows or a brothel, maybe one that's been worked out by Bob Lazar. Oh. <laughs> Perhaps. Ooh, a or you. <laughs> so they go out there. He's like, okay, uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a test flight tonight. Sure shit. There is everyone's you and I next Wednesday comes. He's like, let's go back out there. And they climb on out. They drive on out there and they got their fucking cameras out. He said, the problem was he's like it. Trying to take a picture of this thing is like trying to take a picture of a star. Like it just looks like a blob moving through the air. And I, I'll, I'll buy into that. Even with it is true. Even with now, now, like it's hard. Like you look at something, you're like, I'm going to get a great picture. Get, and yeah, get an get an airplane flying by at night and mm-hmm. try to take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, upgrade your phone. I mean, your disposable cameras are killing me, dude. No, 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 no. Like it's hard to like like. Wait. I guess maybe if I had like 800 speed fucking film. Like I'm not. You probably still carry See, around. He, he he just spun you. He's he's millennialing you. Well, he's also wearing a flannel shirt and has a fucking Polaroid camera. Like you know, like he don't you need? Do we need to take a fucking <laughs> break so you can go smoke a fucking one of those uh what are those Native American cigarettes? Uh, 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 American spirits. American spirits. Yeah. <laughs> he he did ask me if I smoke a pipe earlier. And he, uh, I heard him say, and "Well, he, I have money. I and, have money." And, he, and and here's the thing: he wasn't being funny or ironic. Uh do you do you partake in the pipe? <laughs> like we no like pipe tobacco. That's actually what the literally- fuck is wrong with you? No. <laughs> You got me. So two Wednesdays in a row, two times I see it. So why not go out for that third fucking Wednesday? So they return and this time they are spotted by guards. They're immediately surrounded, held at gunpoint. They got them. They got them. <laughs> then instead of wiping their minds, they, I guess, take their IDs, write down all their information and let them go as they're leaving uh, the area of Area 51. They are stopped by a Lincoln County Sheriff and he holds them for questioning. Following day, ding dong, phone rings, and it's Dennis Mariani and security personnel. 
Uh, hello, this is Bob Lazar. Lazar! <laughs> Are you quitting on me? <laughs> then quit, you slimy fucking walrus looking piece of shit! <laughs> what is your major malfunction? Uh, he's like, we fucking trusted you with info, not to be told friends, family, willy-nilly, crit. And uh, they hold him at gunpoint, and then finally they release him. He's fired. He's terminated. End of story. But or that's, is it? But that's only the beginning. And after this break, we're going to tell you what happened next. Welcome back. We are following the story of Bob Lazar, and our protagonist is now at the point where he is terminated from employment by our, the federal government. Our protagonist. I like that. I like that. Making it sound all churched up and fancy. It's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to leave judgment out of it. <laughs> yeah, old Bobby. When we last talked about him, he had just been terminated from, from Area 51 S4, the U.S. Department of Naval Intelligence. He said as soon as he was let go, he became the victim of relentless intimidation. Uh, like you in high school? Yeah, exactly. Except for it was reversed when I used to beat the shit out of you and be like, why are you so stupid? Why are you so stupid? I feel like that hit so close to home, you had to project on me right there. <laughs> Moving on. He needs a tissue. Are those happy tissues? Oh, happy they're tissues? definitely happy tissues. As he's driving in L.A. I'm sorry. As he's driving in Las Vegas, he said. Well, he did have a rocket car. I mean, He did possible. have a rocket car. Honda CRX. Honda CRX. So as he's driving around Las Vegas... A car pulls up next to him and shoots at him and then speeds away. <laughs> it's like a, a a bad stage of Spy Hunter. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. This is the 80s. Well, either that or like your normal afternoon commute in Chicago. What the fuck is Spy Hunter? Oh, my God. No, you're a fucking millennial. You're supposed to be hanging out in weird, quirky bars that only have retro video games. And you're supposed to know what Spy Hunter is. Literally, have you never been to the Emporium? No. Oh, my God. My company doesn't own that. <laughs> In Wicker Park, Chicago. Oh, no, Illinois. the bar, the Barcade Emporium. Yeah, we fix their games, but. So well, the reason, one of the reasons I am so I surprised, Matt actually works for Namco, uh, Namco Entertainment. Uh, Pac-Man is, I guess, your boss. He's on your shirt, Matt. He's and a wee little Japanese man, but yes, yes. <laughs> or or, or Pac-Man, one or the other. So I, I figured What's you'd know. What's the difference? I figured you'd know. If you do a good job, do they like throw cherries at you? Pretzels. That's, oh. oh, well, yeah. Goes happens. good with beer. True. So he decides, fuck this. Like, they are literally going to kill me. Best way for me to save my life is to take my story public. So spring of 89, he meets with George Knapp of KLAS. Uh, KLAS class. Keep it classic. George Knapp here. No, that'd be a radio station. I, I, yeah, I mean, when did George Knapp become top 40 radio guy? We got a blast from the past coming at you, Vez. I'm George Knapp with playing... Striper? Why was that the band I went with? Striper! And up next is Tesla with Signs. Signs everywhere the signs. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so May of 89, he goes on the air in silhouette and makes his claims. Like he was still trying to protect himself. And he uses the name Dennis while on the air. And I guess Dennis didn't really uh, get a kick out of that. 
because he's called by Dennis at home and Dennis threatens his life. He's like, do you know what we're going to fucking do to you? Lazar! <laughs> Lazar, are you quitting on me, Lazar? Well, are you? Well, then you quit. You fucking slimy walrus looking piece of shit. Get the fuck out of my S4. <laughs> Get the fuck down off of my saucer. Now move it. <laughs> I'm going to rip your balls off. I think that's uh, verbatim. That was everything he just said. Just had quotes around it. That's exactly how it happened. I mean, wasn't that wasn't that literally a clip of that phone yeah, call? Yeah. Right. So he grants another interview, and this time he's not on her silhouette. It is him. Uh, he reveals his identity and uh, has them come out and says, "I want you guys to film me, and there's going to be a test flight out here." P.S. This is Area 51. Wait, I want you to film me kind of like... Like all the French boys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> film me like want, one of your French boys. I want you to draw me, <laughs> George. Like one of your French girls. Draw me like one of your physicists, George. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. So what's kind of interesting is George Knapp goes out there and sure as shit, there's a fucking unidentified flying object that's not saying a you. Wait, wait, no. That's no. not saying an alien. So there's an unidentified... Flying object. Right. So not only does he, he do the interview, he says, Hey, kind of like what we were talking about before the break, where he brought his wife and his buddies out there saying, you know, on Wednesdays around seven or so, uh, you stop out here. Well, you'll see some cool shit. Brings George out literally for that same show. Yeah. The and news, the, the literally the fucking, the news anchor. And if you miss the seven o'clock <laughs> show, you can stop by for the nine o'clock show. <laughs> and the news anchor comes out with a camera. Guess what? The show happens. Yeah. So he goes into detail uh, to the public, exposes Area 51, S4, Dennis Mariani, uh, who killed Grover, Cleveland. I don't fucking know. Like, like I don't, I don't where think- they hide the juju bees when Hitler was angry. I don't. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like he, he knew all the secrets. No, he's fucking. Like, I just want to know what the fuck is going on in your head right now. So I don't, I don't want to use listen, the term. Hey, listen, Matt, the millennial, I, I, I know you're young and, and experienced, but let me give you a piece of advice. Never ask what's going on in Brent's head. Ever. Hitler's juju beans. That's all I got to say. So this story, uh, for lack of a better term, went fucking viral and it went nationwide. It was picked up by uh not only UFO uh enthusiasts but the mainstream media ufologists uf ufo enthusiasts ufologists ufologists like whatever you want to be called follicles right. <laughs> but what but you, Brent, what you, is ufologists? a what is a ufologist in russian uh, it's a it's the same but it starts with a p it's a Pewifologist. Thank you um do you like your life <laughs> mother russia so people to start flocking uh, to Nevada desert to try to catch a glimpse of the UFOs. And for us laymen, right, that's where we all found out. Like this is where we, the reason that we've heard of area 51 is because of Bob Lazar coming out with his story. It almost might be the reason there'd be a podcast called hysteria 51. Hmm. So now that's a conspiracy theory. All yeah. itself, so get the fuck out of here. This little bitty town called Rachel, Nevada is put on the map because it is the closest town to Area 51. There's a highway out there, Highway 305. Extraterrestrial Highway? Right. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It renamed in the 90s mm-hmm. to Extraterrestrial Highway. So is it, is it 305? What is it? 
I'm not sure what what highway that was. Hysteria Bot, tell us about the extraterrestrial highway. Well, dumbasses, it's actually State Route 375. The highway stretches 98 miles from State Route 318 at Crystal Springs Northwest to U.S. Route 6 at Warm Springs. The route travels through mostly unoccupied desert terrain, with much of its alignment paralleling the northern edges of the Nellis Air Force Range. The road originally traversed through what is now the northern reaches of the Air Force Range in the 1930s, when it was previously designated State Route 25A and later part of State Route 25. You know, and I should have known that because I'm sad to say uh, I had forgotten. I've actually been there. Uh, my wife and I went uh, on vacation out to California and we were in Las Vegas also. And we rented a car and drove out to the uh, back gate of Area 51. And we went to Rachel, Nevada and ate at the world famous Little Ailey Inn. And I got my picture taken in front of the black mailbox and all those. The black mailbox, which is now white. The, How disappointing. The funny part is, uh, no matter what documentary you watch, no matter, um, if you're on one side of the Lazar story or the other, they all meet at the little alien mm-hmm. inn. And get the burger, the, the alien sauce or whatever they call it. Did I say that wrong? Alien. Alien. Little alien. We haven't all been there. Rachel Nevada becomes a UFO hotspot. The story is compelling. It's well told. The guy never, never fluctuates. He's always telling, you know, he, he sticks to his story. And, you know, if you're telling the truth or telling a lie, you gotta, you gotta appreciate someone who at least says, well, that's the way it happened. He even took a lie detector test and he passed. So, hey, he's, uh, at least got that going for him. So Bob Lazar, whether he meant to or not, becomes an overnight sensation in the UFO world. What are your thoughts on that, Johnny boy? I'll tell you what I think on part two. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Next week on Hysteria 51. (laughs) But before we go, definitely want to give a a couple shout outs, uh, some social media shout outs. Uh, one to say thank you and we appreciate it to Kyle Andrews uh, or on Twitter at Archer's Knock. Kyle's a big fan of the show, big supporter of the show. We we love what he and, and his friends do over at the Yogurt Podcast, at Yogurt Podcast. Also, a big thank you to the Ectoplasm Show. It's another great podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Ectoplasm Show. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And while you're doing all that Twitter loving... Go to our show on Twitter at, yeah, you his, can, yeah. at Hysteria 51 Pod. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you don't like that we need to work on. Suggest show topics. Tell me how cute I am and how much you love my voice. Tell him you hate his singing over and over and over again. Make requests. Question Matt on what it's like to be a millennial and failing our country as a whole group. Um, While smoking pipe tobacco. And drinking Evan Williams. And drinking Evan Williams. <laughs> Which is just... A monstrosity, even for myself. <laughs> I'm ashamed. I'm, I feel dirty. They even tip me. Well, you should be ashamed. Uh, also, find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash hysteria51pod. And guess what? Drum roll, please. We've got a website. Uh-oh. Someone's moving up in the world. Hysteria51.com. I'd love to tell you it's where you can find anything and everything on the curious, unusual, and unexplained, but it's really just where you can find this podcast. And that's really <laughs> probably all you really need. Agreed. That and a good bug out bag, and your life is set. You're done. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and a couple bottles of whiskey. Now that's probably that's probably in the bug out bag. I think that's, that's we got on the we got to not feed the millennial whiskey next time. <laughs> so I've been Brent. I've been John. Once again, we've had Matt the millennial with us. Thanks a lot, Matt. No and one- as always, thank you, Conspiracy Bot. Later, fools. Time for me to cruise for chicks. We'll see you next time on Hysteria Fifty One. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.